Olay F the Leafs Suck by a <laughs> Dan Dandaran. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is June 1st, 2021. Mm. I'm your host, Brock Fleming, and joining me as per usual is Pep Cariotti in his Blue Jay gear. Pep, how are you doing today, bud? I'm good, man. It's uh, what a beautiful couple of days. Uh, we had some weird weather today. Do you guys? Did you, you get any rain today? Did you get that? Uh... Yeah, two uh, two short little. I wouldn't even say storms, but they came down pretty good for maybe mm-hmm. three minutes, and then uh, then the sun would come out, and then there would be another one, and the sun's been out ever since. How's your grass? Uh, it's I got dandelions. I didn't. Uh, you know, as much as. True Green is the uh, lawn care company that I had used last year, whatever, and they yeah. call like constantly. And there's about four <laughs> of them that yeah. call, and finally, I just like forget it. I'm not interested. And we keep talking about re- doing our backyard either this year or maybe next year. So we're gonna kind of tear it up anyway. So Angela's like, mm-hmm. no, we're not gonna do it. But uh, I kind of regret not taking them up on it because I got the dandelions up there now. I'm at a point where I'm gonna go out and cut the dandelion shorter so that it evens out the grass because the grass doesn't need to be cut yet but the dandelions do so well it's a uh well it's been a dry may so you know if you're gonna if there's gonna be a summer where you just say you know what let's just tough it out for this summer what's the deal with dandelions are they with a bee they provide pollen for bees or something something or i don't know I'm sorry. Uh, this I'm Brock. I'm a sports guy. I know nothing about dandelions other than the fact that they're annoying. I, okay, yeah, I got okay. nothing for you on that one. Hey, listen, I want to shout out uh, my buddy Mike Herzog, who I've mentioned the last couple of weeks. He was running 14 kilometers every single day in the month of May as a thank you. And a, yeah, for sure. As a thank you and a sign of gratitude to all the frontline healthcare workers across the city. And he ended that campaign. Actually, the campaign's still going. It's called the uh, hashtag Ottawa Heroes, um, OttawaHeroes.Weebly.com. And um, if you visit that website, you can find out more about what he's raising money for and stuff. But uh, his part, I guess, is kind of sort of over. He ended it on uh, yesterday, which was the last month day of the month, uh, with a 46-kilometer run. Crazy. After running, yeah, crazy. And he went from the Queensway-Carlton all the way through, and he weaved him, himself through the Ottawa... Uh, landscape to uh, visiting every hospital and there was a small group of people at every site just thanking him and and the signs and anyway i met him at the the last destination which was chio and it was uh, actually i only had a small part in it at the beginning i put up helped him put up signs but uh and then for the rest of the month i just kind of followed him and liked as much as i could but i was i was pretty emotional like I was pretty emotional when he when he crossed and when, when i saw him running and then they had the bagpipes bagpipes will do it to me every time really eh yeah, uh, I can kind of see it if it's in the right context. Just yeah. again, not changing the topic because I want you to get back to this. But there's a random guy that plays bagpipes up to now, Merivale, and yeah. you should hang out there for a little bit because it'll probably ruin that whole nostalgic for the bagpipes kind of thing because it's really out of context and just kind of annoying. But anyway, in this context, I can get why maybe they get you. Well, you know, and the yeah, his uh, Mike's parents were there, and his wife and kids were there with you know with the signs and everything, and of course Chio was there to to greet him, and and then the bagpipes start playing, you're like, oh my god, this is too much, but it was awesome, like it was too much in the sense of like overwhelming, emo- yeah. emotional, and I didn't even take part, so I couldn't imagine being one of his volunteers. Anyway, it was really cool. Congratulations to Mike Herzog, uh, a great, just a great guy. That's yeah, a great initiative. Sure. I mean, it's yeah. an impressive feat to begin with. Anyway, um, oh. yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start i would have been and all all to say thank you i mean he had no there's no monetary uh bonus other than whatever he's raising uh but everything was on his own accord and out of his own wallet and his wife's uh an uh, occupational therapist at the general so you know he had obviously there's a connection there but anyways cool thing cool story. that's awesome yep uh i'm gonna shout out uh, a very special woman in my life Mm. uh yeah so it's uh she's not listening she doesn't have the tech where she's at. Anyway, my grandmother turns 89 on Thursday and I wanted to wish her a a real big happy birthday. Um, you know, it's been, I literally have not seen her since COVID has started. Uh, we FaceTime a little bit when my mom's there, but, uh, 
Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see her. I plan on doing that in the near future. Hopefully that uh, she's good enough to get outside and stuff. But uh, it's What's a big milestone. Name? June. She's born June? in June. Yeah. June. Oh, June, June, June Davidson. On June 1st? June 3rd. June 3rd is her birthday. Okay. On Thursday. Okay. But uh, Hey, happy birthday, June. Yeah, so we got the, uh, that's part of the tattoo I have too, is for my grandmother and grandfather and stuff too. Anyway, shout out to her, happy birthday, Uh, I love you, and uh, I can't wait to see you. It's been over a year, a year and a bit now, it's crazy. Emotional start to the show, guys, this is, uh, it's uh, it's too, this is too heavy for the, can we restart? This is a lot of heavy (laughs) stuff with Mike and the the Grandma June. Yeah, but it's good Uh, stuff, right? It's good stuff, yeah. It's good stuff. Totally, yeah. You know, it's not good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As we go right into the E, into the e. old Leafs heart, and just pulls it out of there, oh. blowing a 3-1 lead against the Montreal Canadiens oh. uh, to lose in Game 7. Now, we got a comment uh, <laughs> in, uh, it was on the Cap City Beats one. So, Mike, our producer, Mike, has been in the back kind of checking that. I don't have access to pull it up, but the first comment, which was the f- kickoff, before we even started talking on the show, um, the comment was Olay F the Leafs suck by a Dan Danderan who is uh, very quick to push the Leaf fans buttons that he knows. And honestly, it's hard to blame him. I'm going to uh, say, like, I was looking at so uh, comments and, and what is it with the Leafs that just they can't get to the next level. And I'm looking at, mm. you know, seven, they've won seven playoff series, just the series mm. round seven round wins mm. in 25 years. And I look back, you know, I still, I work out in the basement. I got two leaf pictures there. One was a nice big print that my dad got me of, uh, uh, Matt Sundin, real nice. And the other one is the autographed, personalized signed picture eight by 11 i got from doug gilmore after meeting him when i was working at bearfax and he spent the night and he was you know had a bunch to drink but i got his autograph on like a napkin and he was playing Mm. for the sabers at the time and i told him i said doug i said i love you but i I hate the sabers so yeah but he took my address at colgate and he sent me this like fedexed me a picture in a leaf jersey autographed to me to my address at colgate i still have it it's up on the wall But really, <clears throat> that's the last time the Leafs were, I want to say, relevant almost or exciting or had any sort of spunk. And I'm wondering, what is, is there a curse? Is there the curse of the Bambino but for the Leafs? Is it the Carey Fraser mm-hmm. uh, Gretzky high stick? Even though they mm-hmm. went to the conference finals the year after, I'm like, was that like the beginning of the end? Because after 94, there was nothing. <laughs> so I have no idea. And there's people putting out there and it's just, there's, there's, they say the, it's the fan base. It's the arrogance of the fan base. That's keeping the Leafs from moving on to the next round. Well, what can I say uh, here? Well, first of all, there's a lot to unpack with Dan's comment. Ole F the Leafs suck. It's, there's a couple of hidden messages in there. <laughs> oh, <there's> so, <laughs> but I love it as a Habs fan. Uh, also can uh, Curtis or somebody who's listening. Can you please text Mike Ferreira? Let him know. There he is. Oh, he's on. He's on already. (laughs) Right on cue. The last time the Leafs played with Hart was in 93-94. And also I made a comment on Mike's post today because if you notice, Mike's profile picture, as per every Leaf fan's profile picture today, less than 24 hours later, has changed to... Uh, now he's supporting the Portuguese soccer team. So the hockey playoffs are out. We are no longer interested, and we're moving on to World Cup soccer or World Soccer, whatever it happens to be. Um, but uh, Early 2000s, the Leafs were pretty good with uh, Rob, Gary Roberts and uh, some of the Darcy Tucker. They were gritty. Akujo, that was a decent squad there, the early 2000s. And then... Then came the the rebuild of sorts, you know, Nick Antropov, and they tried to go bigger, and things just went sideways for a few years. I, I can't explain. Look, when they were up three one, I said, "There's no way Montreal's winning three in a row." There, I, I just, there's no way. The Leafs looked faster, bigger, uh, quicker to the puck. They were winning all the puck battles. Montreal yep. struggled to just get a shot on net sometimes, and when they did, it was it was a uh, like a. It, it just Montreal did not look good. Agreed. And and then came, this is going to sound ridiculous, but then came Jake Evans, who was who missed the first three games, and they put him on the front on the top line with Gallagher and Deneau, and they won three in a row. I'm not saying it's Jake Evans, you know. I'm going to give Deneau some love in a minute here, but 
he brought that element that Tatar couldn't bring. Tatar was just mar- a little more offensive, but Jake brings the the heat. He's quick, got quick feet. Okay. And I think he just balanced out their lines a little bit better and put took a little stress off of Gallagher having to be that, you know, the gritty guy on that line. So it paid off last night. Gallagher had a, you know, a nice shot beating beat Campbell through the five hole. That was weak. And I thought that was a bit of a, that was deflator. They def- were deflated. Yeah. And, I, and Campbell did not play bad. At no. one point I was questioning at what point would the Leafs, because really Campbell came in, was hot, but he was replacing Anderson. Anderson's your guy. He was yeah. hot. So I didn't mind them starting with Campbell and going with that series, but you get to a point you've lost now too. It's going into game seven or whatever. Yeah. Should the Leafs have made a switch and brought in Freddie for, if nothing else, kind of a wake-up spark. It had nothing to do with what Campbell mm-hmm. was doing, but should they have put Anderson in at some point during the season or even in the middle of Game 7 after the Gallagher goal and the second one mm-hmm. came right after the power play? You say, you know what, Freddie, let's go. Like, we need to do something, and mm-hmm. we're not doing it. And they didn't make those moves, and I also felt like – there was no spark. There was no extra mm-hmm. gear, which that sometimes that goalie switch, that like timeout, we're in tight, we got to do something, uh, came through. So I was kind of hoping to see something from the coaching standpoint to say, you know what, like let's just mix it up. Yeah, maybe nine times out of ten, I'd agree with you. But like Campbell, like you said, Campbell played well. And you know when you go when you give up three goals and then your coach pulls you just to get a spark, what are you sending? What message are you sending to Campbell? Like, like I, pl- I played well, but you're pulling me just to get the boys going. It's the playoffs. I mean, if that's what it takes to get the boys going, then they're, they're no wonder they lost. And Freddie Anderson is a UFA. Maybe they have no intention of bringing him back. Which um, I'd be so, fine with if like I, from yeah. a Leaf supporter, yeah. he's never been a guy where I'm like, you know what? That's uh that's great. But mm. Um, you know, we got a guy who was a goalie in Greg Spiro here saying, well, that spark needed to come from Marner and Matthews. And I agree. The young yeah. guns didn't, they didn't bring the energy that like that spark that they usually have that excitement, that extra gear. I mean, Marner's turning the puck over cause they're trying to do too much. It's almost like yeah. they're, you know, again, from a playoff standpoint, we talked about it before of how the ice gets smaller and they, there's less space out there, which is crazy to see how that's going to be but it's like they're almost too skilled and weren't able to to work in the in the tighter confines i i thought actually you know what it's funny you say that too i thought matthews uh i think it was game one when uh Sherratt sort of ragdolled him from behind and he had that dumbass yeah. look on his face that to me that that said it all that's all i need to know about matthews right there you're the you're supposed to be a team leader and you're acting like a like a goof. I get it. You don't want to engage. You're trying to draw a penalty. You don't really know why Sherrod's losing it. But that's what you, that, those are the optics. That's the the rest of your team has got to follow that lead. Where you look like a goof. You got this stupid smile on your face. For me, that was that's all I need to know. And I like the Leafs. They're like my you know second or third favorite because they're a Canadian team. But Marner was awful. You know, yeah. Matthews had some really some point blank looks. Um, he just missed the net, but he had his opportunities. Marner was terrible. And there was a play against the boards last night where Suzuki um, caught the puck sort of on the fly and just sort of deked him, made one quick move to his right towards the boards. And uh, Marner looked like he was a peewee player. Couldn't poke check the puck, couldn't stop the guy. And uh, Suzuki went on and he had a a good uh, scoring opportunity. And I thought to myself, you know what, there's something... It's, it's no guts, no guts. Maybe maybe Babcock uh, wasn't the problem. I think Babcock had other issues, but like clearly Sheldon Keefe's got some work to do. The Leafs have a hell of a UFA list. I don't know if you've seen. I, I know I put the list earlier on our show page, but like, there it could really look different next year. I thought Hyman was one of their best players. I thought, um, um, geez, Nylander was one of their best players. I thought those two guys played extremely well, and the rest of the guys just didn't hold the, just didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah, I mean, when you talk playoff hockey, and especially when they're younger, I feel like young guys feed off of different things, like outside sources almost. Mm. I guess what I'm, my point yeah. is that I think from having 500 fans, 500 fans is nothing, you know? And even the, the, the Bell Center sounded like it was rocking on TV with 2,500 mm. fans. So that's got to give you something. But <clears throat> I feel like missing the fans, missing that, maybe that's what was, mm. you know, the kids weren't able to sort of pump themselves up more. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but uh, the the first goal, 
you know, producer Mike just made a comment was very Laleem like in yeah. uh, when <laughs> uh, Gallagher scored on on uh, Campbell. That was deflating. That was a save he should have made that he needed to make. They were mm-hmm. in a spot and and they were constantly trying to fight back into these games. Mm-hmm. And what happens is because there's a lot of skill, they're trying to do. It's almost like they're trying to do too much and they're turning the puck over. So yep. I think Toronto really needed to score first last night, and that goal was very deflating uh, from a, a team standpoint. I also thought that one of the best players on the Habs was Galchenyuk. <laughs> you know he played. You know what he played. He played well for Toronto. A couple of gaffes, but I thought a couple of gaffes you know, that were pretty costly. He's enough where yeah. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, the Habs trade him, so he gets landed into a, an op position, and really he's on, he's like a spy, and he's just giving them the puck away. Anyway, I don't like him, so he's on your UFA. Out. Yeah, hey, if he, it, it was, um, it wasn't that long ago when Galchenyuk and Gallagher were the future in, in Montreal and Pacioretty. And those are the three guys that led them to a pretty deep playoff run the one year. And then the wheels fell off. And then Galchenyuk just never lived up to the hype. You know, I think he went to Arizona and then bounced around a few times. But I thought that he, yeah. <laughs> he only he cost him a game in OT. No biggie. Seven. That was a very, huge game. That's Hey, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a serious clincher if you don't turn that over. Totally. Uh, Toronto's uh, UFAs, if, if, uh, you're, the, if our listeners want to chime in and have, uh, have their say, uh, I mean, you know, keep, keep or dump. I mean, you could just maybe quickly answer a Kerfoot did play well you know Freddie Anderson we already mentioned uh Spezza who I thought was one of their best players yeah um Hyman Bogosian Thornton Galchenyuk Simmons and Felino. all those guys are UFA they can land other places there are there were another couple of players but the, I didn't think they were notable enough to mention um so if you any of those guys Felino, Simmons Galchenyuk Thornton Bogosian Hyman Spezza and Freddie Anderson all those guys are UFAs. Do you bring any of them back? I, listen, Spezza has got seriously has some stuff left in the tank. He looked awesome. I love Spezza. Uh, you know, I, I liked him when he was in Ottawa. Uh, mm-hmm. His little dorky laugh thing, and he was kind of a goofball. But just <laughs> like from a character standpoint, too, and what he's doing and the role he accepted yeah. in Toronto. Um, am I really up to three from the standpoint counter? Uh, anyway, here we go. Um, <laughs> Spezza, again, from a player's perspective, hey. the guy organized a fundraising thing for the minor, uh, for the Marlies, to, for those guys to get paid and, and spearheaded that kind of um, uh, organization. Like, he just, he cares, but he's, from a, a skills perspective, he's like, He's got a lot left in the tank. They called oh, him. I was listening to the Toronto <clears throat> Sirius XM feed of that because I was golfing that night and I forgot the game had started early. Uh, so I was driving home listening to the Toronto one and they kept referring to his line as the geriatric line, <laughs> which was him, Thornton, and I don't know who the third guy was. Was that Simmons? Simmons maybe? or yeah, It might have been Simmons. But they, I, anyway, I found that amusing and I had to check to make sure – it wasn't the Montreal feed that I was listening to, but no, it was Galchenyuk on that line, I think. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. No, well, that's fitting too. Anyway, um, yeah, Spezza, keep Spezza, hundred uh, percent. I don't even think he costs that much, mm. given his thing. You know, Thornton's a guy that if he wants to continue to play, I, I bet you they bring him back again. His cost isn't going to be very high. You know, he doesn't have as much left in the tank. That's clear. But um, I would, you know, Freddie Anderson, I'd move on from him. Um, get rid of that. Galchenyuk, I've already told you that. Beat it. Um, Bogosian. I thought Bogosian played Bogosian well. Bogosian played Muslin. pretty well. You know? I, mean, I don't think defense was their problem. In years past, it, that was a big issue. I thought this year, I mean, you know, this year I thought they played well. I mean, this playoffs, I didn't think they there were too many gaffes uh, uh, on the defensive end. You know, the Dermot played well. Muzzin was really good. Uh, Hall, the tall kid with the mullet, he was he was good. I thought their defense was actually pretty good. Yeah, and really, that I agree. Like the the gaffes were from their forwards. They Which were the ones crazy. that turn it over, crazy. and you know, it's that, that's a good team there. I mean, and they lost John Tavares. I thought really th- just showed his value. But when they lost him, they lost their guts and they lost their leader on the ice. And it's not Matthews who t- who could. Clearly, Matthews could not replace what Tavares brought on the ice. I mean, that that was clear. 
it's evident that they're he's their guts. And losing him was just, I think, a killer. I think that's really what cost them, to be perfectly honest. Because if to a man, there's no way Montreal beats Toronto. They're just, they're just not as good a team. You saw it on the pe- on the penalty kill. Like Toronto looked like the looked like the Harlem Globetrotters when they were on the power play. They moved the puck. They're faster than the puck. They were bigger. Uh, they were laying the body early on, and they just stopped doing that. And I, look, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm happy, but like that just it just wasn't good. Now. If I can just sort of flip the switch uh, for a second here and give Montreal some credit. And I I was hard on Montreal all year, especially towards the end of the year when they started to really, like, uh, you know, slow down and it looked like they weren't working as hard for Dom Ducharme, who I, you know, I was very hard on as well. Their, their interim head coach, he still has the interim tag. But I'm going to give credit where credit's due, and I'm going to give credit to Deneau. I already mentioned Jake Evans and that, you know, his, his coming up, and I thought that was actually a, a really big factor. But Deneau shut down Matthews and Marner. He was Matthew's shadow. I feel like and I need so, to have some background music that's for apologies. Because you're right now you're apologizing, <laughs> apologizing to Deneau for everything you've said over the last little while. I feel like well, we need a little bit of that in the background. Well, hang on. I, I did also, I was going to say this later on in the show, but I might as well say it now. Let's pump the brakes. We, we also beat Pittsburgh last year and then laid a huge egg against Philly. We got the Jets next. That's not going to be so easy. And then if we get past the Jets, I mean, those teams out in the uh, on the east side, I mean, that's some rugged stuff going on over there. So Colorado looks like they're unstoppable. Let so, me ask you, though, do you care? You've beat Toronto in a playoff series. Your arch rival for as long as hockey's existed, you've won that. Not only have you won that, you've decimated them in terms of giving them a 3-1 lead and then mm. pulling the, the carpet under them. Mm. Like... It's a longer, drawn-out, crushing. <laughs> crushing defeat than was the 4-1 lead that they blew against the Bruins in Game 7. Like, oh, you decimated I, I these Leafs. So what you do afterwards, it doesn't matter. You've beat no. the Leafs. Okay, I get it. You I know what I mean? What you're saying. I get, so from that perspective, coming in as the, as the flat fourth and last seed in the North to beat the number one seed, I mean, you've already exceeded expectations. I would say the season is now considered a success. But this is Montreal. It's only a success if you if you win the cup. Otherwise, it's like fire the coach, fire the GM, fire like that's that's Montreal for you. That's just like Toronto. Toronto's going to deal with all those questions. Like, is Sheldon Keith the guy? Is this are they going to blow it up? Are they gonna, like that's just the way it is. From from my perspective, the way Montreal played the last end of the season, this is totally a success. This is a huge celebration. Yeah, they beat yes, they beat Toronto. It's an arch rival, but like overall, they've made it to another round, which I never thought they would have. Kudos to Carey Price, who played amazing hockey. That's probably the best game I've seen him play. That's the best game I've seen him play in a, in a Canadian's uniform. I watched 10 minutes with Jackson. Oh, watching, Jackie boy! And, like, there was a power play, and Toronto was kind of all over the place. Like, they were, like, the puck movement was great. It was, they were down a goal already, or maybe two goals at that point, and the pressure was coming on, and mm-hmm. I must have said... I think I probably swore a couple times too, saying that Carey Price. I said he is so being good, like just the yeah. the play. You see the play come across, and he's there to make that save. There's just those cross one timers on Nylander that he gets over for. Yeah. I mean, just stuff. It's just he was just on another level. Mm-hmm. And any Habs fan that at any point in their, I don't know, in the last few years, who talked about Price and trading him and getting rid of him, whatever owes him an apology as and clearly has no clue. This guy is arguably one of the best playoff goalies I've ever seen in my lifetime. Really? That's a huge statement considering he he, he hasn't made it to a Stanley Cup. Hey, for I me to that, for though. me to like and cheer for a Montreal Canadian player on any level other than Doug Gilmore who played a little bit there but even then wasn't great. Yeah, not not he wasn't great. It wasn't great. Like I couldn't really bring myself to to cheer for him. Carey Price is a guy I constantly root for. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like even his his post game interviews, he's not an exciting interview by any means. No, of course not. But uh, like he's just phenomenal. He's a nice guy too. Like yep. he anyway. You were going to talk about because. Uh, we were going to talk about Aboriginal, the best Aboriginal athletes that we can think of and stuff too, right? Yeah. And he is Aboriginal. I, I, or part, I, did, is he not? 
Yeah, that's a fact check. I think that, I think he is. And I, you know, I always carry Price off the ice. Uh, he represents himself in the city so well, which is why they'll never trade him. And fine, I'm fine with it. And my last two playoffs, Price has been awesome. But can he sustain it is the question. You know, and over the course of the regular season, there's arguments. Well, you know, it's a regular season. He's when he dials in in the playoffs. I always just found Carey to not be able to make the big save when we really need it as a Habs fan until, well, I mean, certainly this this series and the, the Penn series last year. But too often, more often than not, over the course of the regular season, when you need him to make the big save, he just seems out of position. Was it injury? Was it his goalie coach? Was it the defense in front of him? Was it him trying to do too much? It could be all those things. No one ever questioned his skill or questioned his ability or questioned his talent or all that stuff. He is elite. It's just those lapses in focus. or Again, it could be the defense. Their defense is not strong. They get peppered with shots. But that could be a, a culmination of things. As a fan, I'm a fan of the person. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the player now. Uh, prices, I can't even pronounce that, so I won't even try you. You want to try it? Oh, did I get Ul something Kacho? in the... Uh... Ulcacho First Nations descent. Uh, seriously, so that's we should not be trying to pronounce something nah, without having tough. that uh, done. But That's nah, tough. Um, yeah, anyway, Carey Price. If I... Okay, thing. if Carey Price would be on the Habs team, you pay him the same salary. You put... Uh, is it Jake Allen, your backup? Yep. Yeah. Jake Allen's your starter for the regular season, and all you do is shelf Carey Price until the playoffs. Would you do it? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you're like, you know what, forget well, it. Regular season, we got these guys, they're moving. Carey Price, you stay healthy, stay focused. Now, I know from a game speed, you can't just go into the playoffs like that. I get it from an athlete standpoint. Well, from I'm, a money standpoint. You all right, you Mike, relax. Fans. <laughs> um, with that, <laughs> okay, from an athlete point of view, we can't just go into the playoffs and be at that high level. I get it. But if you could... And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to bottle up Carey Price until the playoffs. There isn't a team around that would not do that. I mean, there's a lot of factors there. A, do you make the playoffs without him playing? B, uh, you know, you want to draw fans to go watch Jake Allen? You know, there's a lot of things involved there. I mean, I get what you're saying, but you play him as little as you can and you find yourself a hell of a backup to play 50-50 maybe. That would be yeah, interesting. Just rest them. Uh, yeah, thought. keep them fresh. Anyway, um, there was a comment that was brought up. I'll just wrap this one up real quick. And, the, and yeah. it's disappointing from uh, a media standpoint, I guess. And, and he brought mm. up a good point. It was actually, it was Dan Duran on a comment we had after the game. And he said that, uh, no, j <sighs> I keep getting rattled by the standpoint counter because I say it too often. And now I got to figure <laughs> out my other word. Um, because well, TSN yeah. and Sportsnet are all based, like our major sports um, broadcast stations are all based out of Toronto mm -hmm. that Toronto being out is still going to be, now it's going to be what did the Leafs, where did they go wrong? What do they got to do? What's happening with the Leafs? All that kind of stuff, as opposed to being a focus on the Habs and Jets playoff mm -hmm. series, which is kind of unfortunate. And uh, I hadn't really thought about it before. And then he brought that up and I was like, Oh, it's, it's cause they're that's based out point. of Toronto, but it kind of sucks that that's, that's the news we got to get for the next little while. It should be focused on the success of the of the Canadians and the Jets teams, and uh, yeah, let's talk Leafs after the Stanley Cup's been awarded. Yeah, well, listen, you know, and as far as the Habs are concerned, still guys like uh, I mean Corey Perry, <laughs> what a what an acquisition, you know. And and at the beginning of the year, he wasn't even slated to play. He was going to be he was slated to be a healthy scratch most of the season. I think they suffered an injury to Armia, and then Corey Perry came in and uh, and played well, well enough to earn himself some time. Uh, I thought he was spectacular. I mean, he's been uh, he's been an All Star Team Canada player for how many years? You know, with with uh, Ryan Getzlaff. I mean, the guy has got the pedigree. And look what he did in Dallas last year. They made it to the Cup. So. I thought that was a great acquisition. Playing with Stahl, who looks Stahl, like he's lost. same like, thing, yeah. You know, Stahl looks like he's lost a few a few gears, but, you know, hung in there. That's good. Armia had some big goals, thanks to Perry get mucking it up in the front. I mean, that that was that was a great acquisition, and I love the fact that he's getting some PP time, and uh, just great. Awesome. I'm really happy for Corey Perry. Great acquisition. Uh, Carey Price was, was uh, probably the best player on the ice. Easily. I'd have to say, yeah. Yeah, would you agree with that on the Hab side? Yeah, 
There's not a person around who would disagree with that. You just talked okay. about it at the beginning of how much they were outplayed. and it's- They were totally outplayed, absolutely. Josh Anderson and Toffoli, I thought, uh, laid the lumber when they had to, but I, I think they have another gear in them. Anderson looked like he had some wheels, but you know, Toffoli having, I think he led the team in goals, you know, I think there's more in in their game for the next round, which is exciting for the Habs. Uh, and then the kids. I want to grade the kids. The kids being uh, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, and Suzuki. I thought they, I'm going to give them a grade A. Caulfield, just because he brought a spark. He may not have scored in this playoffs, but he had, he had a couple of assists. And uh, he just he looked like he was a, a threat every time he touched the puck. All right. Did you see? Did you notice that about him? I, did, I honestly, I didn't notice who on the Canadians team was doing anything. You know, I watched for Cofield, just and uh, uh, Corey Perry. But, you know, I still, I kind of like Corey Perry as much as I disliked him with the Ducks back in the day. It's um, hard not to like when you when he's on your team. He's just a gritty guy. Uh, Suzuki, I thought Suzuki played well. Uh, again, those guys might have a little more in the tank for the next round, which is scary for the Jets. But I'm going to give them an A because it's a huge stage, and they were down 3-1, they were able to come back. So it's going to be exciting. The Jets are a different beast. They're well coached. They get, they're a veteran team. They're poised to make a run. They're built to make a run. I mean, it's going to be tough, man. The Jets are, the Jets are no joke. The Jets are going to be... Tough. Yeah, they're going to be tough. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, oh, I didn't, I didn't give Montreal a, too big of a chance in this series either, but I think. Hellebuck uh, is next level, though. Hellebuck, Hellebuck is, is next level. Campbell played very well. I'm not going to take anything away from what Campbell did, but Hellebuck is a guy who can steal a series like Carey Price. And, um, you know, I just think the Jets have a ton of firepower. Like, they, their top two lines were as good as Toronto's, and I thought Toronto's, when healthy, were probably one of the top in the league. And Winnipeg can stand with them. So, if and you how gotta, long has been Winnipeg been off? They've been off. I feel like it's been like two weeks. They're healthy now. I know uh, Dubois was dealing with a couple of nagging injuries. This is the, just a perfect medicine for him. It's been two weeks off watching these two teams beat the hell out of each other. And I think that starts tomorrow. Does it start tomorrow? Uh, it'll be quick, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a quick turnaround for the Habs. Um, do they, do they, you know, ride the momentum, ride the wave? Or do they, like, you know, come crashing down after, a, a you know, a pretty emotional victory? I'd say it was pretty emotional. Now they got to regroup, refocus. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think, you know, uh, as this uh, Oilers fan, I'm not sure who said it, but said don't go to OT with the Jets, this Oilers fan knows, which... Again, a lot of people gave the the Jets that much chance to Love come and, and stop uh, uh, the Oilers and what they're able to do. Yeah. But uh, that's the thing with Montreal is that you don't have a Connor McDavid um, to kind of focus on and say, you know what, we shut him down, we're good. Like they're f- they're kind of all over the place. There's no real stand up stud that you can focus mm-hmm. on. So if they mm-hmm. kind of play with the same heart and desire that they've had and and some grit. Um, that I found the Habs showed, uh, you know, you get a couple of sneaky goals on Hellebuck, who knows? But, yeah. um, again, I'm not going to bet because I have no money to put it on, but I'm not, uh, I wouldn't be putting it on the Habs. And it's funny, I just find the Habs to be, even in this series, I find them to be like a counterpuncher. They don't, they don't, uh, they're not the aggressor. Like it's, it's, you know, pepper us with shots, you know, Toronto looked really good at, at some points, like, you know, better than Montreal. They were looking a step quicker and faster on their feet. And, uh, you know, again, price played on his head, but like, can Montreal continue to do that? Take take the pounding on the back end. I mean, I look, that defense is not uh, Weber. Weber is their leader back there, but Weber's not Paul coffee anymore. Uh, Kulak and Chariot and, uh, uh, you know, I thought Gustafson actually came up and played really well. The guy they acquired at the trade deadline, I thought he played really well. But John Merrill started the first three games. He was not very good. So, you know, can that back end withstand? Petrie, I thought, turned his game around after Matt Putvane ripped him. Uh, I thought he read Putvane's, uh, uh, Putvane's comment and said, you know what, I got to change my game because uh, Maddie from Elmer is uh, not happy with my game. So, Maddie you know, from Elmer. Yeah, I'm just happy that, uh, that um, Montreal's back end withstood the uh, the heat but i don't know if they can do that with winnipeg anyway let's we'll we'll move on uh to um i wanted to bring up 
to ask you a question about the tennis player who uh, I just deleted the, it off our thing given our time frame. But oh, did you? Okay, I, I'm gonna. I just want to ask you. Talking anyways, about. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, really quickly. No, uh, Naomi Osaka, who um, withdrew from the French Open, which is one of the biggest, obviously one of the Grand Slams. Uh, she's one of the best players in in the uh, in the world on the female side, at least. Um, deals with mental health issues and refuses not refuses doesn't want to do the media uh, the media bit after um, I guess they're obligated to that contractually they have to talk to the media afterwards um, she got fined 15k she went and yeah. told the media look I, I don't I don't want to do this because it's not good for my mental health you guys ask me questions that make me uncomfortable Um and it affects me how you guys criticize my game in the media and these press conferences it affects my game. So I don't want to do them. She took a beating for that. I, I don't, I didn't give her a beating personally. I mentioned that it's part of your contract as an athlete. That's kind of what you have to do. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. It's tough. I, I'm, I'm just, her. I'm just here. So I don't get fine. Yeah, and that's and that's you know what her mental health she's she's bang on like you guys the what you say about me and the criticism it affects my game it affects my life so you're gonna find me 15k for not wanting to to subject myself to that abuse or whatever I mean I thought that's really tough tennis really needs to all sports actually need to really rethink this contractual obligation you know there's I'm sure there's plenty of players who who gladly get up on stage and talk a uh, press conference I mean there's guys that love the mic. Um, don't force people to do it. That's yeah. my opinion. I mean, it's an entertainment, right? That's what you're getting paid for. Sports is an entertainment thing more than anything. And mm -hmm. this is part of the entertainment, the, the mm -hmm. media, the, all this other stuff that these leagues make money off of. But as we've seen with Marshawn Lynch, there are ways of doing it without getting caught into any sort of um, – you know, difficult questions or whatever. Just go in. You're there. You They can't find you. So if you're there and you're answering the questions or whatever it happens to be, it doesn't matter what your answer is. There's no stipulation on that. So put your sunglasses on, grab your bag of Skittles, and I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just here so I don't get, get fined. And yeah. just continue, and then it just stops, and then you're gone. But, um, you know, I mean, she's a little bit way. younger as well. So, you know, I get it, but this it's kind of part of the, I don't know. I want to say it's part of the industry. It's, it's entertainment. It is. And that's no, it, part is. Of it. it is. It is. It is. But someone's clearly saying, look, I have mental health issues. I don't want to do this. No, you have to No, What world are we living in? You know, like that's, that's just crazy. I mean, that to me is crazy. If someone says, I don't want to do it because I don't like the media, well, you signed on to do this. But if someone says, I'll, I'll do it, but I, right now I'm not comfortable doing it because it's affecting me personally, and then she gets fined 15K, I mean, what message is tennis sending to the, to the world that, hey, listen, someone's just come out and said, I have mental health issues and media stresses me out. We're going to fine her 15K. I mean, it's got to be on an individual basis. Like every situation's individual, and um, it's yeah. not a, it's not a cookie cutter situation. You can't just, I mean, that that's where the leagues have to adapt and uh, evolve into. Like, listen, every case is different. That's where you know when we talk about mental health and the stipulations around it, um, and the misconceptions and the. Um, you know, it starts with concussions, concussions, same type of thing. There is yeah. no way of proving you have a concussion. You say, you know what? I'm having this kind of stuff. There is no like cut. There's no bone sticking out of the skin. There's no bruising. There's nothing like that where a doctor could be like, yeah, you have this. You got to ask them what those symptoms are. Same thing with this. It's one of those, oh, you have mental health issues. Okay. So you're saying that whether you do or not, you know, those organizers may not believe it. And if she gets out of doing the, the press because she has mental health issues, then tennis player B will use mental health issues as a reason to mm -hmm. get out of it. And it sets a precedent. So it's, but again, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just saying those are the hurdles that um, things like concussions and mental health and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. have to go through because mm -hmm. they aren't, you know what I mean? People can't see it. You can't, it's not a tangible thing. It's something you got to mm -hmm. trust in the person for saying and being honest with what they're dealing with. And mm. unfortunately we, you know, that's just not always the case. Mm. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I, I, I actually think though that the, uh, a lot of people like talking on the press conference. So it's like, you're going to have more people who want to do the press conference because they're getting some publicity and they're get to market themselves and they get to show off their, uh, you know, the, whatever, if they're wearing a Nike symbol or whatever, it, 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 maybe their Nike's paying them five grand just to be up there on stage. You don't, you don't exactly. know, right? So, so I'm sure there's more. And yes, Greg, I, I agree with you. There's an obligation there for sure. The fans want to hear from you for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's, I, I don't know if I fully agree with that 100%. I, th- I still think that it needs to be on a case-to-case basis. And I think, like I say, I think most players will get up and gladly talk. Like gladly talk, especially if they've had a bad game, they want to defend themselves. So I like, I get it. This is an odd situation. And it's, uh, I think we'll just, let's, uh, the jury's out. Maybe uh, when some more time passes and the story, more stuff comes out about the story, we can have a better conclusion, a better opinion. Right now it's a little early and I'm curious to know what, why she, why she dropped out. Cause she is one of the best players. I mean, that's like, uh, I mean, that's like Djokovic dropping out from the French Open because he doesn't want to do press conferences. That's the equivalent. That's how good she is. So, uh, you anyway. want it'd be more like Nadal dropping out of the French Open because that's what he t- typically wins. Anyway, yeah, true story. Um, um, okay, let's move on to Julio. Before Jones. we move on, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Big Boss Man Kwame and his crew of No Holds Barred man. will be following us tonight live at 8 30 i think oh yeah uh, so we are going to make sure that we kind of wrap up by quarter after and they're going to roll right into it so tuesday night's yeah. going to be the live sporting night um so yeah no holds bar or four old dudes i think is what we call it what do they call it four <laughs> old bars anyway they're on after us and uh if anybody watched the guest appearance that we had on them uh we beat them in trivia so just put yeah. that out there oh yeah Julio Jones. Julio Jones. So Falcons are softening their stance on a first, saying now they'll, they'll take a, or listen to second round options. A second uh, rounder I mean, in 2022. I don't understand is, why 31 other teams aren't throwing that out there right now. Well, that's it. You know, there was I actually read an article that, uh, that you know, uh, what would you do if uh, if the the Seahawks offered DK Metcalf straight up for, for Jones? I mean, w- would you pull the trigger on that trade? Uh, if I was the Falcons, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if I was the Seahawks, I'm giving up a second round pick in 2022 and have DK and Julio. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. But I mean, if the option was to give up, uh, it's either, it's either we want DK or move on. We're going to pick another team. Do you do it if you're the Seahawks? The Seahawks? No, I don't do it. No, you keep DK rather than an 11 year vet. Yeah, makes it makes yeah. sense to me. Draft picks, I'm I'm full game. You, you want a second? You want a third? I'll give you a second and a third next year. Mm. Whatever, I'll give you that stuff. But mm. I will not give you a guy who has a bit of a track record, is starting to come into his own, mm. and you can see he's starting to make those strides physically. A freak, just yeah. like Julio, younger, faster. You know what I mean? Like we're not giving that up. But you want prospects and guys that we're going to pass up in the future who we're not sure of, and then maybe you guys can pick, 100%. Take them. Does the NFL not have any tampering uh, rules or regulations? Because guys are tweeting like, hey, come here. Oh, you'd be great on our team. And come here. We'd be – I mean, uh, uh, Chase Claypool said, yeah, we're, we're stacked. But we, the, there's, not, there's always room for more stars. I mean, isn't that tampering? Is there – like what? I don't uh, – Yeah, I would say that would be that tampering to a point. If you have an issue with tampering, I guess go back to Tom Brady and anything that he's done. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he – well, didn't he house Antonio Brown before he was even signed <laughs> with Tampa? Like yeah. he was putting yeah. guys up and uh, feeding them and whatever. Like there's – so I don't know. I honestly – I'm not sure what the rules are from a tampering standpoint. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I would agree that would be tampering. And I know – I think the NBA is a bit more stricter and that kind of stuff. Son of a – I don't see Julio going uh... – I don't see him going to a team that doesn't have a chance. I think I think Atlanta will uh, will deal him to in the an AFC team actually. Um, the Bills. Well, like you know, I could see the Bills would be a good good fit for him. I think the Bills have their eye on Zach Ertz, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but you know, I, I actually really could see him going to New England if they could make it work somehow. Yeah, um, they're the front runners, I think, right now too. Are they? I mean, look, it makes sense, and New England is not shy to deal picks. I mean, they'll give you four picks next year. You know, they're not shy. They've already rebuilt essentially on the fly. So there's not a whole lot left for them to do. They have a stacked defense. Uh, that can, on paper, up there. these are guys that haven't played in a year and a bit. So, yeah. 
Anyway, and it's Cam stuff. Newton. You know, what's the relationship between Julio and Cam Newton? Or is it going to be a, a Mac Jones kind of thing going in there? Who knows? So from a Julio standpoint, the arm and who's throwing you the ball has a lot of weight. So what's your relationship like there? I don't understand why the Packers aren't all over this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does, does that kill two birds with one stone where you get Julio and you bring Rod and, you know, that brings Rodgers back? Imagine Rodgers with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. Mm. And then the run game that's been pretty decent over the last little while. It's getting ugly in uh, it's getting ugly in uh, Green Bay. Rodgers didn't show up to OTA, which is obviously yeah, why would like, he? not a big deal? But nobody did. None of his starters did. None of the receivers. So it was like it was Jordan Love and all the all the second tier guys, along with uh, Dylan and and what the other running backs. So, um, you know, we've heard about obviously Jones wanting out. Rodgers, Watson, I think is all but gone. Uh, I think Houston has signed like four journeyman quarterback, and now they have like six running backs. Yeah, I was going to say they're running back. They're going to be running running backs. Yeah, like Mark Ingram and uh, and Philip Lindsay are good running backs, and then they got Burkhead and Burkhead. uh, Like they're loaded. Um, so they're clearly anticipating no Watson. My question for you is: Is he going to be released? Because I said he was going to be released uh, two months ago. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. Still waiting to be right or completely wrong. Yeah. What uh, which team out of those three teams, Atlanta, uh, Green Bay, or Houston? Which team will suffer the most by losing their star? Which I mean, I think it's safe to say Jones is the star on that offense in in Atlanta. I know they have Ridley and Ryan, but he's the star. He was now. Kyle Pitts is in there. Oh Wait yeah. For that. So which team's going to suffer the most with with uh, with whoever leaves? Uh, Green Bay, hands down. It's not even it's not even a question. Green Bay's offense. Like yeah, they've been running pretty well, but their their offense runs through Aaron Rodgers. There is no. If fans are butts, they don't have a great receiving core that can, you know, put a put uh, love in there, and all of a sudden he's got the, a stud receiving core that he's just got to get mm-hmm. the ball to. No, mm-hmm. like other than Adams, you know, I know Tunyon was up on some uh, list of like uh, most effective catchers or something. Anyway, they had a few mm-hmm. Green Bay guys on there, and people were like, "Well, Rodgers has like the the worst." Receiving core, question mark, mm. like these guys are on the list. Yeah, because Rodgers puts the ball exactly where it's got to be. These are professional athletes that can catch the ball. Mm. They're not going and getting these same numbers with love at quarterback. So, hands down, Green Bay is the one that will suffer the most if Rodgers does not go back. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and he'd be the easy pick right now. Although, I mean, they'd love what they see in, in no, no pun intended, but they love what they see in Jordan Love. That's the word coming out of Green Bay. He looks good. He looks fit. He's got uh, a lot of intangibles. He's mobile. So is Rodgers, but he's bigger than Rodgers. Um, so I, I don't. I mean, I, I'd have to. Wait. Green Bay is the obvious choice. Look, Houston was what four and twelve last year with Watson. So losing him, they maybe they're better. <laughs> Who knows? Unlikely. But um, I'm getting chirped here already. Brock and Peps on sportsman like standpoint because unbelievable. Is that so, standpoint, yeah, producer Mike? Is that st- when we we talk the standpoint counter? Is that just me or is Pep in this too? Does he stay standpoint? I don't think at all? I say standpoint very often. You don't, eh? No. All right, all right, all right. Fine. If if you listen back to to my, uh, if you listen back to review and review the film, I don't know if I say a lot of words re- repeatedly. Well, well I used said to say it once put a bow on it. You see, yeah, that's right. I used to say that a lot. I don't say that anymore. Yeah, because you got uh, chirped. Because uh, my dad chirped you. We're putting a bow on it. Did your dad, Big Rob? <laughs> it was Big Rob, I think, during when we were doing oh, our podcast. He said someone put a bow on it, and then you, you've never done it since. So, Oh, that's a gut punch if I ever had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> it's awesome. All right, um, uh, just really quickly here. Uh, in the NBA playoffs this year, it's been ugly with the fans. Uh, we had a guy try to spit on Trey Young. We oh. had a bottle, a water bottle thrown at Kyrie Irving leaving Boston. I know Kyrie stepped on the Celtic logo in center court. You don't do that in Boston. Are you nuts? Yeah, it's like a death death wish. But um, he uh, like a plastic water bottle. That guy actually had a day in court. He was arrested. Um, and then popcorn was was spilt on um, uh, Westbrook. Yeah, garbage. What's going? What's going on? Like, yeah. what's, are, are fans just crossing the line here? Oh, 100%. They're crossing the line. Um, I think I think it's a combination of, uh, well, I guess they're not as back. locked up down there as they have been up here because we've yeah. had a few things in the city over the last little while that uh, is not mm-hmm. typical. Um, so I'm wondering if that got the people. But also, mm-hmm. 
I just find with social media, with all this kind of stuff, it's just people seem to be more entitled and feel like they can get away with stuff more. Mm. Mm. And because of that, this is the kind of crap that happens. And there's no mm. place for that. Like these guys should be getting arrested or uh, not or like I'm saying it's an actual thing. But let Westbrook go up and talk to the guy. You know what I mean? Like, let's get Milbury with a shoe and beat the guy with it. Like, well, it's it's insane. It's disgusting. It's not how fans should be acted. It's not how people should be treating athletes, treating people in general. Like, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish and what the deal is, but there's no room for that. So those leagues better step in. I mean, the NBA's got to step in from a security yeah. standpoint uh, and hold these guys accountable. Hey, Bradley Beal... They, so the Wizards Wizards beat um, Philly last night. Uh, so they, it's now a 3-1 series. Embiid is out for the next game. So the Wizards could actually claw their way back into the series. But they got to go back to uh, Philly. And and uh, Beal said, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not scared. Uh, I, I got I got my hands. I can use my hands. I'm ready to go. Like it's like what are we? Are you guys going to war? Is this a basketball game? I mean. And, you know, you we were laughing about the chants, right, at MSG when they were chanting stuff to Trey Young about yeah. him balding or whatever. Like, but does it cross the line? Is that just not a, abuse? Is, I mean, Trey Young's a, a, a well-paid guy. Is it likely he's going to take it seriously? Yeah, you're making fun of my hair. I got, I got money, more money than my bank than all you guys combined. But, I mean, isn't that the kind of culture we're, that we're trying to teach our kids not to be like, making fun of people and this and that and the other, like... It's just a whole con- where society is like a whole, whole contradiction, and sports should be the one thing that maybe teaches us better. I don't know. Call me old, old fashioned. Well, I mean, if you think of you know back in the day, you think the NBA, and you think you know you see some of those highlights from you know from Detroit and you know even Philly and the hockey stadiums and stuff like that. Eagle Stadium, it was rough, you know, yeah. and I don't know if that translated to onto the players but from a fan standpoint i remember hearing stories like yeah you don't go to an eagles game if you're not an eagles fan and even then you might not be able to um you know enjoy the game if you're too worried about fans and stuff like that and and who's pissed off that you're standing up or whatever um i mean you know there was that uh the guy that died outside of a, it was a Giants and Dodgers game, I think, you know, a few years back, you know, they had those issues. Like just a sporting event is supposed to be entertainment. We're supposed to, um, you know, have something to watch, cheer for, whatever. But ultimately, you know, it's, there's a sportsmanship in sports. Like those teams play each other. That's fine. But just like you saw after Toronto got beat for the third game in a row to be eliminated from the playoffs for the 25th year in a row. <laughs> hey, they still, oh, yeah, I'm going. And they shook hands. And, you know, even uh, the GM shook hands in the in the hallway and stuff, too. Like, there's, there's, still, uh, there's still sportsmanship. That's what it's about. So yeah. it's just yeah. the fans lose that aspect of it. Um, yeah. And they get too consumed into... Uh, their teams and the rivalry and the and the 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 back and forth and the hatred that you know maybe media is spinning to try and sell the game more or whatever it happens to be, uh, but the fans get sucked into it and you know and they they think it's real you know it's not wrestling people it's don't get sucked into these soap opera things it's sports we're competing they're competing at the highest level but ultimately there's a mutual respect. They know that everybody's going home at the end of the day. Like, just not take it that seriously. Why you got to take WWE shots every time? Every, every podcast now, you're taking uh, little pot shots at the WWE. Hey, I'll listen. take WWE shots. I took Leaf shots. I took a lot of shots. If you, if anybody out there, like, I mean, I know that we have some uh, WWE listeners or watchers. If, if you've been watching the A&E biographies, they were, they've been awesome. Like, in-depth, you know, personal looks at these guys. Unbelievable. Mick Foley's was awesome last week. And I believe the last one of the series, I'm not sure if they're doing them in seasons, but Bret Hart is, is Sunday. I'm pretty interested in seeing that one. Cause he's Canadian be and all that good stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they've been really, really good. And biography knows what they're doing. Obviously a and E's notorious for their biographies over the years. So, uh, highly recommend it. Um, what's Mikey saying? Mikey's got a question. Are basketball players, the babies of professional athletes? Um, this coming from a guy with a soccer shirt. Exactly. You cannot put the, anybody above soccer players in terms of babies from a professional sports standpoint. So, Mikey, 
Your comment is gone. That Gonzo. Was- I saw a guy, Mike, try to bite another man's penis on the soccer field. Uh, they were both rolling around, and the guy tried to take a chunk out of the other guy's penis. And the other guy was like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, that deserved a buzz. I mean, it's just, what am I... Like, flopping is awful, and the NBA, it's slowly infiltrating the NBA again. That's leagues. Sort of, yeah, that's the league's fault, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. And they, and they, you know what? They took care of it a couple of years ago. They were suspending guys and fining guys, and, uh, the, you know, plays were reviewed after the fact, and there'd be suspensions. Like, I mean, they did a good job, and they just stopped, stopped caring. So, anyway... Um, Mikey with the soccer shirt. That's that's amazing. Um, we got some time. We still have some time. I want to talk about the, what happened with uh, this weekend with the Jays. They took two out of three from the Yanks. Great job. And then they, you know, they rolled in the cleave. I love that. I love that. I don't. I shouldn't love it as much as I do because it's actually not that cool a song. It's, it's not right. that cool a song, but no. it gets you kind of pop, like well, going for it a bit. Sure. So then they play Cleveland, which is one of the worst hitting teams in, in all of the majors. Uh, you know, they've lost everybody. They can't afford to keep anybody. So now they're they really are like a a triple A team with a couple of major league hitters sprinkled in. And the Jays uh, take the first two and are you know well on their way to a sweep. Uh, up 4-0, and then they, they give up the lead. Fine. They come back, take the lead again, 5-4. It was a seven-inning doubleheader. This was the second of the doubleheader. And they're rolling into the seventh. Chatwood had a rough sixth and then rolled into the seventh. And uh, Charlie Montoyo did not warm a player up, did not warm another pitcher up, just in case Chatwood's struggles continued on into the seventh inning. Now he ended up giving up the lead, and uh, and by the time they brought the the a reliever in, it was too late. The bases were loaded, and they that was I think it was a sack fly, and they lost. Yeah. So Charlie got roasted on Twitter. He, Charlie was roasted on pretty much everywhere, and he came out in his press conference and said, "Look, we took two out of three from the Yanks. We took two out of three from the Cleveland. I wanted to give Chatwood a chance to win this game. He deserves. He's one of our best relievers. He deserves a chance to get out of this mess. Did he wait too long? Number one, and number two." Don't you feel like Toronto has to win all of these types of games to keep up with the Bostons and the Tampas? Because the AL East is hell. Yeah, you can't. What bothers me is the the content with taking two out of three. The way so, you know, we were happy with two yeah. out of three. No, you blew a third where you had a sweep in your hands if, if, if played properly. So I think what it is is that during the, I think it was the Yankee series, he went and took Chatwood out early, and Chatwood was visually upset and mm-hmm. had a few words at Charlie at that point. And, you know, was it too soon? Maybe. But that there, again, when you talk about, like, laying the foundation and almost setting a precedent or setting things up for future, mm-hmm. that incident set up for this kind of thing where he wasn't yeah. going to be taking him out too early. Yep. So even though they're two separate instances, it's it, it's going to have a lasting effect. And I think that's that's kind of where that came into play. Now, I know that warming up pitchers, like it's not the same as a men's league thing. Just go out and throw the ball with your buddy for a little bit. Like there's a process. Yeah. And that process also affects when you can bring those players in in the future. If you warm them up and you don't play them that night, that might affect their availability the next night. So there's some of that balance, you know, am I supporting uh, at pep talk on Twitter that roasted Charlie Montoya for it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm supporting you at that point because I would have agreed, but there's other factors in there. Anyway, I just don't like when he's like, Hey, be happy. We took two out of three. No, you're right. We don't have that luxury. You need to sweep when you can sweep. And we want to see that killer instinct, which is what we're missing. Especially when you're trying, you're playing catch up still. Now you're now you're like you're still five games behind, and you know you're one two game losing streak from being eight seven eight. Like I mean, that's it. You got to win those games when you have the chance. You yep. got to play to win the games, like the old Herman Edwards. Like you got to play to win those play games. Play to win the game. Yeah. You got a day off. You had a day off after. Why would you? What's there to just like pull out all the stops? You got a day off coming up. Vladdy just smashed a three run homer, by the way. I Number see your eyes going there. The year. Right Incredible. on. Um, so anyway, I wasn't happy with it. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not on Charlie Montoya as much as other guys are. I, I like Charlie. 
I think I think the players like him. Um, I don't like Luis Rivera. I don't think uh, I'm shy about the, that comment. Uh, Luis Rivera, the third base coach, he makes more gaffes in a season than any third base coach should have. And I get that you know a lot of the players tend to make their own decisions when they're rapping uh, when they're rapping. When they're uh, ter- making the corner. Rounding. Um, second, rounding. Um, gee, I just saw you <laughs> just, right rapping in, the, in our comments page here. This is rapping. <laughs> rapping around third. Anyway, Luis Rivera, as far as I'm concerned, it has been there like five years too long. But uh, Charlie, I'm, I'm willing to give him this season, see how he does with it with his squad, especially when Springer shows up. I'm willing to take a pass on this. He'll learn from it too, right? He's, it's only a second, second, what, two and a half years in the league? Yeah, so and he's got to he's got to feel out his staff and understand things. So if yeah. Chadwood's gonna, you know, bitch at him for taking him out early, and he leaves him in yeah. longer, now he has it. Now it's back in Montoya saying, you know what, you blew it that time, so I'm taking you out when I want to. Like there, there's a the yeah. feel out process. That's fine. You know, Rivera's whole like my attitude towards him is summed up in him in the game one against Cleveland where it was cold and kind of rainy, and he was on yeah. third base, and then they had the close up, and you can see he's wearing like a parka underneath his jersey that's tucked into his pants and whatever and i was just like <laughs> out that sums yeah. up my feelings on rivera Luis anyway. rivera yeah. yeah whatever uh edmonton elks you like it <laughs> is that a whale that's the elk sound i i edmonton if you're listening if anybody from the edmonton brass <laughs> front office, whatever, uh, stadium uh, control. That if you could just play that sound when the players come out the tunnel, bro, give them. <laughs> 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 we make all the kids cry in the stadium. <laughs> it's pretty. High. I wasn't uh, expecting that necessarily as being that high pitched, but that's the elk sound, and I'm pretty sure. Helmet. You know, if I see one deer on my front lawn, or I see 12 deer on my front lawn, there is no S. And I'm pretty sure elk is the same thing. It's one elk or multiple elk, not this elks. True. Which, I like it. It's a gaff that they better keep. I like it. I like elks. They already painted the field, elks. There's a big S in the field. <laughs> is that real? I thought it was digital when you had... Uh... No, no, that's Dave. That's a launch. That's it. And uh, Mike hates the name. I love it. I, I actually and the helmet's awesome. He, Mike with the whole, Mike's favorite hockey team just got beat yesterday. He's already given up right. hockey. He's back on soccer. He's just an angry guy at this point. Let's just give yeah. him a little bit of space. I'm gonna give you 48 hours, Mike, to get your head right, and that's cool. that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. And the helmet's got the two elks, like kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles, with it, where, where the their wings are. I like it. It looks good. The two elk. The two, uh, it, it, it's elks is until until further notice. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a name. I mean, what, what does it matter? But I think it's. I'm I'm glad that uh, Edmonton decided to make that change, uh, and especially in lieu of everything that's been going on in that within that community. I thought the timing was pretty good. Um, time to move on from uh, from stuff that is offensive, and that's that's all my all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that they did it. Um, I, I actually like the logo. Um, Lovely. Yeah, it's a it's a nice twist on it. Somebody but, put a uh, I saw a, a mock logo of a, basically the Calgary Stampeders with horns, and the guy the the horse had horns. <laughs> There's going to be some awesome uh, Edmonton Calgary games this year. Uh, that'll be fun. Give me an elk. Give me one more elk before we call it before we wrap it up. Is there, a, is there a cow in the back? Do you hear that? There's a secondary there's some, animal there. Well, there's a bunch of elk. Oh, okay. So, anyway, it's got some water in the back. It's a nice, peaceful. Anyway, that's oh, the yeah, elk. It's like whale music. That'll put me to sleep for sure. I will put you to sleep. All right. Um, I think that's it for tonight. Again, uh, remember that, uh, is that a unicorn? Somebody said. <laughs> Good day. We have no idea. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Uh, 8.30 or coming up right after the show, we got uh, Kwame, boss man, with the, uh, his crew with No Hold Bars. No Holds Bar are going to be after us at uh, 8.30 or uh, possibly sooner if we get off. Uh, other than that, that was a, a great headline show. We're going to go out to a uh, song that uh, multifaceted in terms of uh, – where we are right now in our climate, obviously, uh, um, the hip is a very Canadian band 
Um, given some of the circumstances we've had over the last little while that we heard uh, in uh, Cam Loops and uh, some of these things that are coming up um, in the news and in uh, our history is is absolutely devastating. Uh, I know that Gordy was a, a big advocate of this as mm-hmm. well. Um, and we they also, uh, oh, hundred percent. It's we gotta uh, be better. I'm just afraid of what else is going to be coming down the pipe. Um, and what other revelations are going to be coming down? Uh, but the hip released, uh, another album of unheard songs, Saskadelphia. This one's called Montreal. Love it. Uh, so fitting for the Montreal Toronto series. Again, it's the hip. It, uh, embodies the Canadian culture, if you will, and brings me right to our nation. So we're going out to this song. Hope you guys like it. It's my favorite one from this album. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Be nice to everybody. That's Ellen DeGeneres. Be kind to everybody. You know what I mean. Be nice. Be good. Houston like lavender pantsuits Long black velvet clothes Smiles cross crowded rooms The only boy she'd ever known Don't you worry Her mother's gonna make her look good Don't you worry Her mother's gonna make her look good Leopard coats and tall, thin millionaires kissing everybody on New Year's Eve or sending men to electric chairs. Yeah, in spite of it all Don't you